Hey, before we get started, wanted to say thanks to a couple sponsors that keep the show on the air. Physical Therapy and Balance Centers. They were created by PTs, especially for PTs in private practice. On average, a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40%. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com. And our friends from MW Therapy, they want to know, hey, have your EMR costs grown out of control? Has your current EMR hit a wall? Or maybe it was invented in 2007 when smartphones weren't even a thing. There's a time for something better at times now. MW Therapy. Take a demo now at mwtherapy.com. That's mwtherapy.com, where switching over your EMR is easy. And our friends at CBDRX for you, your CBD store, get the ABCs of CBD at CBDRX4U.com. That's CBDRX, the number four, the letter U, dot com. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT Pinecast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to PT Pinecast. We are doing this thing live. There we go. There, there's the, uh, there's the background music. I knew I was, I was short a button there. Uh, I'm physical therapist Shubin McKay. Getting set to uh, start the episode off in just a second. I do want to say thanks to uh, some friends of the show, Jamie Schreier. I think we're going to be speaking together at Ascend Web PTs Ascend, which is coming up next month. That was quick. Uh, yeah, there it is. PracticeFreedomU.com for PT owners who want to treat less and earn more. If that's you, visit his website. You want to create the business you've always dreamed of? That's what Jamie's there to do. Practice freedom, the letter U.com. Our friends from Physical Therapy and Balance Centers, if you want to open a PT practice, or if you're thinking about selling your practice, or you're just looking to expand, you know, you should know this. On average, a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40%. That's pretty good growth. 40% is good. So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing, Visit physicalfranchise.com. That's F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L franchise.com for the radio listeners. And our friends at CBDRX4U.com. That is CBDRX, the letter four. The, no, the number four, the letter U. I knew my numbers and letters, I swear, past kindergarten. We're going to do that again. Your CBD store, CBDRX4U.com. That's CBDRX, the number four, the letter U. Yes, dot com. Uh, get the ABCs of CBD. If you know how that is going to impact your, your patient's um, treatment, 100%. People are using it over the counter now. You should know. So visit them online. CBDRX, the number four, the letter U, dot com. Great episode for you today. I'm excited. Um, we're going to talk about really the two big ways that therapists can impact patients. And you're like, well, of course, there's lots of ways. We're not talking about lots of ways. We're talking about the two big ways. And you're like, well, what are they? Well, that's why you're here. So without further ado, and man, if anybody loves a do more than me, I'd love to meet them because... I love me some ado. Let's start this thing. Yeah, here we go. Welcome to PT Pinecast. We like to say it's great physical therapy conversations on tap. That's what we do. Uh, check us out online at PT Pinecast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, MySpace, IRC. Do you guys do IRC? No. AOL Instant Messenger? We don't have that anymore. That probably exists. Someone's still running that somewhere in the background. The point is we're at PT Pinecast. Website, too, is at ptpinecast.com. There you'll, uh, you'll find our store. 
all of our 902 episodes. I just ran the numbers. I was like, how many episodes have we done? The answer as I record is this will be 903. We've done 902. So no pressure. Can't be pressure. We've done 902. We haven't screwed up yet. Well, we screwed up a little bit, but we look past it. Um, that's the website. What else do I usually say when we start the show? What am I missing? Yeah. Okay. We're good. Um, so I'm ready to start today. The two big ways therapists can help patients. And you're like, but I know a million ways. I know, but do you know these two big ones? And that's what we have for you today. Uh, our guests, well, let's start. A neurophysical therapist who helps stroke and brain injury survivors improve their lives through a holistic rehab approach. And we have someone who helps therapists understand the mental and emotional aspects at play during that recovery process. They come together and founded something called Expanded Practice. Let's bring them in the studio. Maribeth Quinn and Danielle Stoller. Ladies, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi, Jimmy. Glad to Thanks be here. Us. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you here. We talked a while ago. Uh, I think you dropped us an email. I think it was, was it Danielle that you dropped us an email? Yes, I did. I reached out and said, I'd love to talk with you. I love those. Like, hey, I, you know, listen to your show. I think I have something. And I was like, I think you wrote me like an email like this long and I'm gesturing wildly. Uh, and I think I was at like sentence two and I was like, yes. I think my response was yes. And then I just hit enter because I was like, let's get to that. But, but we get all the hard questions out of the way first. So first uh, thing we do is the, uh, is the first round. What are we drinking today? Danielle? Well, I am drinking a beer from the good folks at Wiseacre Brewery in Memphis, Tennessee. It is uh, got to get up to get down. Let, let's see the can, though, for the for the people watching my oh, live stream. There we are. It's a neuro test because it's reversed. So there you it's go. A, gotta get up to get. a coffee milk stout bowl. Yes, sir. I haven't had much luck personally with milk stouts. Mm. You might want to try this one. It's I'll give it good. a uh, Maribeth, what do you got? I have some Maker's Mark oh, because I love beer, love it, but I don't do gluten anymore. So All right. It's not an option well, for me. I, uh, I'm i going Aloha beer. I had one one Kona uh, big wave left in the, uh, the fridge, so I've got that right, right here. So, ladies, cheers to you. Thanks for coming cheers. on the show. Hard questions are out of the way. That's the first round. It's brought to you by our friends from Owens Recovery Science. Are they on the screen? A single source for PTs looking for certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. BFR, the cool kids are calling it uh, these days. Oh, Juliet, you just took this course like last week, this past weekend. We have to do an episode. We'll do a wrap up episode uh, later this week, early next week about how that experience was. Because J- Owens Recovery Science has been a sponsor for like a millennia on this program. So I want to hear how the uh, how the course uh, went. We'll get to that. Remind me of that because I'll forget. All right. So we need to talk about uh, expanded practice. You guys came together. Danielle, NeuroPT, Maribeth, you help NeuroPTs, neuro, uh, PTs, OCs, OTs, and SLPs, right? It's not just physical therapists. I want to be clear in terms of expanded practice. Correct. So this is a great communications test. If you're at a dinner party or a cocktail party or somewhere and, and somebody says, what do you do? And you're like, oh, I have this thing called expanded practice. How do you respond? Well, I'll tell you how we respond. We teach therapists a system a thinking process that makes them master communicators so they can navigate the psychological and emotional elements of rehab. And I'll tell you why this is important. This is important because there are two big ways, as you said, that we impact our patients. We impact them through our clinical skill and we impact them 
through our human presence and connection. So if you think... <laughs> had a cheers that one. Yes. So if you think as a therapist, as a PT, that you are just going to impact them with your expertise in movement and human movement, you're missing the mark. Because what's really happening in a session is that you have one energy system in you meeting an energy system in them. And you are bringing your beliefs, your expectations, and your stories, and you are meeting their beliefs and their expectations and their stories. And what we do is we teach you how to optimize the healing environment by amping up and intentionally using the things that science shows us of how we're all connected so that you can really create a healing environment around them. And it's underemphasized in our education. And it's where we saw people missing opportunities. Well, you start saying, talking about energies and stuff like that, but then you say science, science backs it up, right? So, all right. right. So, so when you talk about energies, like, what, what do you mean? Like, I get it if you're, you know, is this, is this touching on soft skills, like how we communicate, what we communicate? You know, a lot of it is, uh, what do they say, 70% of communication is nonverbal. So it's going to be that that other stuff, that all the, all the things that you don't necessarily learn in school. Well, that's part of it. But what you need to understand is that your mere present has an impact on your patients. And here's, here's something to back that up. That's not just a soft skill. But science shows us that the electromagnetic waves from the beating heart of one person can be detected in the brain of the person standing next to them. And it produces some sort of reflection in the other person's brain. And scientists believe this may be partly why you feel calm when you're by someone who's calm. Someone who's calm, yeah. So I know that as a therapist, when I get within a few feet of you, it's already started. I have the opportunity to influence you right there. So that's what I mean when I say energy. That yeah. electromagnetic wave, that's energy. Yeah, we've all we've all been we've all gone somewhere to get something fixed or you're maybe, you're, you know, you're, you're working with someone and you can tell when they're like, I'm rushing through this, or I just came from somewhere and I'm out of breath. And you're like, am I bothering you? Or is this person hundred percent focused on me? I'm like, I'm getting the weird vibe here that like, I'm not hundred percent of your bandwidth right now. That's right. And, and, you know, if you want to keep talking about science and you want that to back you up, you know, emotions are contagious. So when you're feeling that vibe from someone you know, we're going to catch the strongest one around us. Somebody is always catching something. So as a therapist, I want to lead that. I want to determine what's going on in this session. And I want that to serve your healing as much as I can. All right. So if people are nodding along and they're like, okay, I'm in so far, how do you do that? Like, you know, we, we mentioned a little bit in terms of mindset being part of this. But give us like a little bit of a taste of of what people would will experience or what different things they can play. Like how, how they do that? Well, that's a great question. And, and that's really what we do with with all of our classes and, and all the resources we have. And so let me just tell you right away that if you go to our website, there is a guide that's eight ways to start thriving in your practice today. It's going to have eight simple things that you can start doing and using in your session right away things that we're talking about, but yeah, it's like expanded, uh, hyphen practice.com. Exp- yep, exactly. But I'll just tell you one right off the bat. I'll give you nine. Now you can go get the eight and I'll give you nine Okay. because this is so much. We catch these things from each other because of the way we affect each other. It needs to start with you. Can't start with your patient. It can't all be about them. It's gotta be about you first. 
So how you set yourself up, how you are approaching things, is this getting into like some, 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 I don't want to say smaller, but I'm gonna say more detailed things, which is like, Hey, when, when clinicians are seeing, I don't know, two or three or four patients an hour, that's probably not an optimal situation to have really great energy since you're probably intentions divided and you're rushed. Right. That's really hard. And so the first thing we talk with therapists about is you have to train yourself to come into the present moment. And there are several ways you can do that. The first one that I like, it really works if you do it. If you just place your hand on your chest and then you want to soften under your hand. You do that for one to two breaths, you're going to feel a switch in your body. Your body's going to change. And the more you do it, the faster it will happen. And now I don't even need to put my hand to my chest. I can get that change in my body just by thinking about it. And what that does is it breaks up your habitual way of thinking, slows you down for just a second and brings you back into the present moment. So I use it treating stroke patients. There can be of any number of things that happens that unexpected or maybe, um, it's, it's a little more difficult than I thought it was going to be. If I start to get anxious or frustrated or thrown off balance, I do that. And I know the moment I do it, if I change my body, it's going to affect them. So, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking back to like uh, a previous doctor's visit that I had. And I remember the physician, I mean, we've all had physicians who blow in, never look up, never make eye contact, never, you know, they couldn't tell you your name for a million dollars, but I'm thinking of a positive experience where she came in and literally, I think took two out, like two, like really like intentional breaths mm -hmm. before she started anything. And I was like, there's a lot of white space here. There's a lot of quiet. Like this is very opposite and uh, didn't bring a computer with her. Brought a, brought a piece wow. of paper that she folded with a pen just so I sort of like, you know, because you don't want to, she's not going to remember all this, but she was only writing down really big things, right? And I remember like it, the the vibe was not that I expected and it felt like this was, this person's, this woman's listening to me and that's a big deal. Absolutely. It makes all the difference. And, you know, um, there's a study that showed that physicians that had more facial expression positive facial expression got more subjective information from their patients. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. Of course, if you look interested, I'm going to tell you more. I teach, I taught this when I was teaching radio broadcasters. I was like, if you want your guests to give you a nine, you have to give them a 14. Like mm -hmm. if you want to draw that out of them, they need, they have to, they're going to follow, they're going to follow your energy. So if you want a 10, you got to give them a 20. Like that's just how it works. And we know this. We do this with babies and kids and dogs, right? We change our energy. It's just funny when we, if we don't do it to adults, why wouldn't we do that? Of course we would. Right. And what we want therapists to really understand the power they have is that when you do this intentionally with the purpose of improving someone's healing, then it becomes something that is really satisfying to you in your practice because not only will it make you feel better because you're making a connection with a person and a human and we all need that, but you know, I am doing that and I am, I am going to help you feel a, in a way that's going to flood your body with chemicals that are good for you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's where it gets to be a really empowering thing for a therapist. It's funny because we know these things and yet we just go through a process sometimes to get them done. And then we're stunned. We're stunned when we don't get a great result. 
right? Like we're like, Hey, well, I went through this and I did all the, I did all the right things the wrong way. And I'm shocked that I got a result this way. Maribeth, you're nodding along with me. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I, I concur with all of that. I, I think when you're on the other side of it, which I am, um, you see firsthand what, what it really means. It's not just a concept. Like, I think a lot of people might learn a little bit about these things, but that's just conceptual. You're, you're talking about relating, and that has a feeling to it. Like, when you're just in your regular life and you connect with another person, you know that. Like, you instinctively know that. It, it feels a certain way. So, you know, it may be a new mindset to bring into your work, but let me tell you, those people that you're working with that have something wrong with their body that they're trying to make better or fix, they need that in a way that you can't even imagine unless you've actually been through it. And, you know, just a little bit of background for me, I, I'm not a physical therapist. I'm not a therapist of any kind. I'm not a medical professional. But my daughter had a stroke when she was 18, 10 years ago, and it was it was big. It was all at once, you know, she was perfectly healthy. She was away at college. All at once she has a massive stroke and it leaves her with no movement on her right side and all of her language is gone. So wow. she can't, she can't understand us. She can't speak nothing. And let me tell you something like that happens to you. Your world flips upside down and you suddenly realize everyone, you're so in touch with your humanity. Every doctor or nurse that walked through the door, you would know within a millisecond if they loved their job. You, you could read it all over them. And the people that really cared, and it was most people, right? Most people. Um, but you could tell the ones that really understood um, how do you put it, that their presence was actually affecting my daughter, just being there, the way they were communicating with her. So um, this is why, you know, Danielle and I even started this together is because when I started watching hours and hours of therapy, and I realized that of all the medical professionals that my, my daughter, her, her name is Sophie, um, all of the medical professionals that she saw, she saw everyone else a fraction of a time of the time compared to therapists. Therapists were with her for hours, for years. They got to build these relationships with her that were on the level of trust that you have in friendships. And she was 18 when this happened to her. And yeah. Suddenly she had no language. So she lost not only the capacity of her body and her capacity to express herself, but she lost her identity. She lost her friends. She lost her whole twenties basically. And these therapists were not only helping her regain her body and, and, and her language, but they were her social network. They were her confidants. They were the people that were helping her regain her identity and learn to love herself from this place. And when I saw that, and, and I realized that most therapists that I saw did not know 
this powerful position they were in. They, and you saw it. Oh, I, I, I saw it from moment one. You can see it because you're in it, you know, right. so you can, you know, I'm there with my daughter. I can, I can feel who these people are to her. I can watch her respond to them. And, you know, I could tell that there were only a few that were realizing that the relationship they were making with her was almost or just as influential as their clinical skills were. Because when you've got something go wrong that's that big, like that is life altering, then your your mindset and what you believe and how you feel about yourself, those are the things that are going to determine if you keep going, not what somebody puts their hands on you and does. Those things are important, but if you want those things to really take root, you got to do this other stuff. Yeah. You got to know how to really get on in on the front end and, um, and figure out where their heart, their head and, and their spirits at. The person has got to want to work. And I tell people this all the time, you know, I, you know, I come at things from a communications angle. Right. And I say, I often ask big organizations that I work with or individuals, what's the goal of public relations? Cause we're talking about external communications. I'm sure I'll promise I'll tie this together. And a lot of times people, you give you like big answers, like it's spin and it's creating a narrative. And I'm like, just keep shaking your head. Nope, nope, nope. Public, the answer is always in the question, right? Public relations is building your relationship with the public. Mm -hmm. So patient relationships is building your relationship with the patient. You know, on one of the first episodes I did 900 and something ago, I asked a sports physical therapist named Eric Mera. I said, what, what should, what, what qualities does a great sports physical therapist uh, need to possess. And he said, you know, it's, it does not just sports. It's any of them. And he said it was three A's available. Got to show up, got to be regular. Right. Especially in sports. He was saying, cause like sometimes it's nights and weekends. Uh, you got to be affable. He's like, people got to like want to want to, and this is where I think expanded practices like affable, but that can be expanded to like taking the time, being intentional, recognizing that it's not just showing up. It's how you show up. It's why you're showing up. Do you, do, are you projecting that why? And the last A shocked me. It was adequate. So it's sort of saying what Mayor Beth was just saying. It's like, I, you, know, you need to have a minimum of clinical skills, right? That's what the NPTE is, a safety test, like making sure you want you're going you're to hurt somebody, right? Can you progress someone? But it was adequate. I was like, wow, I thought it was going to be like awesome or something like that. So no, it's like, I need you to be good, right? Just be, know the basics well. It's, that, it's those other two A's, available and affable, and bringing in that that personal the thing that the thing that a person only a person who is intentional and excited to be there could really do. Yes, yeah. And you did uh, an episode. I can't remember how long ago it was, but I loved it. It was the pick up the dead raccoon. Yeah. When I heard that, I thought this is exactly what we're talking about. You know, you're saying people who whose job it is to draw those lines down the middle of the road come upon a dead raccoon and then they all just stand around it's like well this isn't my job or they paint over the damn thing or they paint, or they, they paint around well, the raccoon they eventually paint over it or go around it when really i mean when you go into your sessions every day and everybody talks about you know compliance and why won't they do their home exercise program and all of these things you are staring the the dead raccoon in the face it's time to learn about these things because these are not patients being just obstinate or it's every patient who is there, they want to get better. 
Yeah. They, they want to get better. Yeah. If they're not doing it, there's a reason. And there are ways that, that you can investigate that and come alongside them and help them over that obstacle as opposed to just labeling them as non-compliant, you know? I mean, I, I turned this on uh, ourselves a couple of times. I said, we like to use, and this is everybody. This is not just PTs in our profession. I think this is a lot of people. We start using pronouns. Well, they don't understand, or they are not compliant, or they, 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 and we're doing a lot of this. We're doing a lot of finger pointing externally. And it's like, well, did you, were you rushed? Were you clear? Did you have a good vibe? Did you, did you build rapport before you asked someone to do something? Did you, did you fail to communicate? Were you confusing? Because you can't really control those people. And then the words of Robin Williams come in my head, right? Which is everybody that you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. Be kind. Right. Yes. And that's so important. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions that therapists have is that they think um, that they have to really get in there and be their counselor. And, and that's not what we're talking about at all. You don't have to solve your patient's problems. Um and another thing therapists will do is like, whoa, I'm not comfortable in this realm. So I'm going to, I'm going to back way off and, and not, not do this. And what we're saying is there are these little shifts that you can make that are going to make a big difference. Some things I do, I'm not even talking to my patient about them. I am doing them intentionally within myself. And like, I understand um, that our brains are meaning making machines. So everything that's coming in, that patient's brain is going to tell a story about it. They're telling a story about what happened, why it happened, what's probably going to happen in the future. And so because I'm aware of that, the things I say and do are different than if I had no awareness of that. Um, and one of the stories that, that I like to tell about this is that I was working really hard with a patient to correct his gait deviations, you know, and, um, and I, he stopped and he said, you know, I can always tell when I'm not doing a good job because you start breathing like a bull. Ha. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I totally wasn't aware of that. I thought I was doing a really good job to help this guy. But see, my breath became part of his story about failure. And so you better believe that the next time I checked that. That's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Plus, yeah, you also get an opportunity to tell him he's not failing. I mean, yeah. I'm so glad he vocalized that because right. that is a seed that will grow for sure. Right. You talked about um, um, you know, not being able to um, solve our patients' problems. How do you, if someone has that mindset, if a PT, an OT, an SLP, someone you're working with has that mind, well, what, what do you mean? Of course I'm there. I am the solver. And I'll give an example. I was in PT school and I heard someone uh, say, uh, you can't motivate your patients. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you can. And then they went deeper. You know, of course I, I was an open, I was open-minded, but I was like, I'm going to prove you, I'm going to prove you wrong. And of course I walked away with a different mindset, which was good. And they're like, motivation needs to come from within. Now you can guide them, but you're the Yoda. You're not Luke in this story. They're Luke or they're Leia. They are the, the hero of their own story. You can take them to the end of the diving board and set them up for success. They got to jump, right? And you have to let them, you got to, you got to make sure you got to check your breath right? Make sure you're not sending off these signals. But if someone comes in, dug in with that mindset, how do you um, unteach or how do you, how do you give them an opportunity to, to have a new mindset? Well, 
I would just say, you know, you're not there to fix your problem. You're, you're there to invite. If, if, if you can just shift, these are what I'm talking. I'm not saying look at something that you think is black and call it white. I'm saying, can you shift it just a little? So can you invite them to change? And now I want you to get as much clinical skill as you can. You know, if you feel like you need continuing education in a certain area and you want to be stronger, go get it. Specialize. Our patients need us to be skilled. What I'm saying is this other aspect that, that they're bringing to every session, whether you're conscious of it or not, um, is another place that you can elevate your skill and invite them to get better. You know, if you're focused on a problem to fix, you're going to miss that look on their face. Yeah. You're going to miss something that, that maybe you could have really influenced. Most communication is nonverbal. I think you had, you had shared it was like 93% of, of communication is nonverbal. Coming from a guy who talks a lot, but there's verbal, what I do. There's nonverbal, right? So that would be like, I don't know, breathing hard whenever someone isn't doing something that's nonverbal. And then there's paraverbal, like, hey, you're doing a really great job. Or, hey, you're doing a great job. Like I said the same thing twice, but that's paraverbal, which is like what you say, what you don't say. And then when you are saying something, how you say those things. Some other strategies that come into it uh, that I want to get into. Um, intentional listening. Is this similar to motivational interviewing? Is intentional listening? Like, talk to me about that for, for a second. Well, I I think what I mean by intentional listening is I do I do this thing. Is that I want to get myself out of that role of problem solver fixer. And I want to see you. So what I do is I just take a second and I look at the patient without an agenda. I just want to see them. Like right now, Jimmy, I see you as this guy hosting this podcast. But if I wanted to really look at you and get myself out of that mindset, I would just pause. You don't have to know it. And I change. And now I notice something else. And that opens me up to really hear what you're saying, to really take it in in a different way. Just breaking up our habits allows so much more to come to the surface. Right. Yeah. One, one thing that I would, I would suggest just from being on my end of it is um, I could really tell the people, especially because Sophie had so many years, she's talking much, much, but be much better these 10 That's years great. later, but there were a lot of years that she really couldn't express anything. And um, you could really tell the people that when they were looking at her, they were thinking, who are you? I'm, I'm really going to think about who you are, what I know about you. Someone really loves you. I'm, I'm sure you love people. You, you start putting them in this human context. You know, what have you lost? And when you put your, your own heart and your mind in touch with those things about people, you are, without saying a word, you are relating to them differently in a way that they can feel. Uh, Sophie has a story about, she, she told us years later that there was a nurse that would come into her room at night in those first days, first couple of days after she had her stroke. Um, and she said a nurse would come in and change her sheets. And she said, she made me feel so bad. Wow. And I said, well, what did she say? And she said, nothing. But that, the you bring that into the room. You bring in what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you believe, what you're, everything you've got going on. 
we don't think about this a lot, but it does emanate off of us. There, I have another short story about this. It's pretty amazing. When um, this was maybe four years after she had a stroke, so Sophie couldn't say much, but she could communicate a little bit. We were at home. Um, she was doing some speech homework just there at the counter, and I was cooking dinner. My back was to her, so she couldn't see anything about my face. But I don't remember what I was thinking, but I remember I was I was lost in a lot of worrisome thoughts. I was worried and stressed. And after a while, she goes, Mom? And I turned around and she said, What's wrong? I said, Nothing. Put on my smile. Nothing. I'm great. She looked at me like, Yeah, you're totally lying to me, but okay, we can do this if you want to. But she... I don't know how we do it, but if you really start paying attention, you can feel when someone walks in the room, there is a lot without them them saying anything, you can feel it. Well, you bring up, you bring that that story made me think there's just some people who are better at it. So you're like, well, is it a talent or does a skill? And if you and Danielle are working with people, obviously it's a skill because a talent is, is what you're handed with, right? Some people are. You know, some people were born on second base and they thought they hit a double, right? You're just talented. But skill can take you all the way home. And um, some people who know you well have the luxury of time. Like Sophie spends a lot of time with you. So like, mm-hmm. you know, parents, I'm sure, can read their own kids like a book. And so that's just what made me think like, oh, yeah, this this is obviously, well, important because a therapist does have a lot of time with the patient, but not as much as a mother and a daughter, which shows the importance of being able to pay attention and do these things that Danielle and you teach to therapists so you can at least hone that skill so you can get it a little bit faster. Yeah, Yeah. I think, I think there's unlimited potential. I think we can get better and better and better and better at it. And I think what we have to say here is the reason that we are here doing this at all. The reason expanded practice happened was when I met Maribeth and Sophie, I was Sophie's physical therapist for a while. And the moment I met Maribeth, I could feel what I cannot hardly describe. It, it wasn't just this upbeat optimism. It was a feeling of certainty and like everything was going to be okay. And when I felt that, and I also witnessed the impact it had on Sophie, I thought, okay, how can I take what this mother has figured out to do in a catastrophic situation. How can I take that and apply that in my practice for all of my patients? What are the things I can do and what the heck does science say about it? And how can we maximize our influence here? Because everybody wants our patients to get better as fast as they can. The patient wants it. We want it. Insurance companies want it. Employers want it. What are all the things we can do to help them heal. You're looking to amplify that. I mean, yes, it wasn't an accident, right? I mean, some people are better at it from the start. Some people have to do less work, right? Like LeBron James didn't have to work as hard as Jimmy McKay would to dunk. (laughs) But if LeBron James didn't work hard, he wouldn't be who LeBron James is. So it's like, that's where I like, I fascinated with like talent versus skill. Cause I think myself included, I used to work, use those words interchangeably. And it's like, no, no, no. Talent's what you're, what you're born with, right? It's what you've get. People might say he's talented, but if you're looking at someone who's been working for a long time, how do you know what the talent was? You know what the skill is right now. 
So people listening and might say, well, I just don't have that. I don't have that gift. It's like, okay, so you, you were, you were dealt less cards. You can work on it and you can be better. Well, and I think to some people it comes more naturally, maybe, right. but really what we're talking about here at this initial stage is just paying attention. Recognize. It's just recognizing it. There's the first step is, wow. You know, one thing we like to use the, the COVID analogy, you know, one thing that COVID got us all thinking about was proximity. You know, you walk into the room and you may or may not be bringing something with you that you don't even know, don't know you have, and you may um, give it to somebody else. So, you know, we socially distance, we, we take all these measures. Well, if you, if you just apply that sort of mentality to something like this and recognize when you walk into the room and you get within a certain number of feet from your patient, it begins. it begins. And if you just pay attention, what do I have going on? What do I have going on? How do I feel? And if you're not in a good place, well, then that's okay. We're, we're all human. You're going to be on. You're going to be off. You're going to find it. You're going to lose it. But if you're paying attention, you're going to find it more than if you're not paying attention. And if, you, if you're just building in small practices into your day, like the, the thing that Danielle was doing about putting her hand on her heart and just getting her body to stabilize, like to calm, to change, that done enough affects how you are at work. You know, if you've done that enough, then you can get out of balance at work, but you know how to bring yourself back in. But if you're not paying attention to these things, then you have one choice and one choice only, and that is to have knee-jerk reactions all day long, just to situations. That's, that is what we do as humans. We're either reacting or we're preparing and, and we're, we're leading the energy. Talk to me about a good experience that you've had um, after someone's learned, a therapist has learned from you, maybe hearing from them a week, a month, six months, a years later, um, saying like, hey, like this helped me do this or this happened because of what you taught me. Any come to mind? Oh, gosh, yes. We'd love to talk about this. Um, one I like is that um, we had an occupational therapist, a pediatric occupational therapist who had a client come in with um, – a feeding goal. They, they were in, they didn't like to eat certain foods and she immediately recognized the anxiety in the family was affecting that child. And she was able to calm the family down enough that the child met the feeding goal on the very first visit. So being able to recognize all the different variables at play and then have a system to, to use, you know, that's the thing. We don't just teach you like random, right. It's not Jedi mind trick. This is repeatable. This is repeatable because, you know, we call it clearing the lens our, our first program for therapists, because the mindset is the lens through which you see the world. So if you have, if you have a desire to do this, you're like, I want to do this. I have the intention. Now I just want to learn how to do it systematically. We're going to teach you ways to think and, and when situations come up, you have something. So, you know, one of them is what do I control and what can I let go of? If you just get clear on that, that's going to change a lot. 
Yeah. We talked, I talked about this in, you know, similar to that raccoon episode, it's just me grabbing a microphone and I, I had heard this from someone else and I put this strategy into play similar to what you were just talking about that there, Daniel, like, Hey, if you're stressed about something, write down everything you're stressed about on a dry erase board, then cross out everything you can't control. Right. Third step, get to work on, on what's left. It's like, Oh, if you can clear that. And that's what that is. I had a conversation with a colleague an hour and a half ago. She was like, I'm under water. I'm overwhelmed. I said, okay, let's rank everything. I'm like, what do you need to do first? She goes, I have no idea. That's what we did. We wrote everything down in order. I said, well, how many of these can you accomplish in the next seven days? Well, this one, I have to wait for this. I go, then that's not on your list anymore. Cross it off. And when she was done, she had three things to do. And she's like, I only have three things to do. I said, you only have three things that you can, con that you are directly responsible for controlling. And I heard her voice change. This was just a phone call. This was not a Zoom call, which also bring something i would love to hear your input sometimes um having less information less input actually helps like i've started i've gone back since we've done this whole COVID thing everything's a zoom call mm -hmm. where three four years ago like you ran you rarely were on a zoom call it was like a special occasion remember that zoom was a special occasion that was fun <laughs> and it was more phone calls and some people would say i i i tend to like them there's less input and less stimulus i can folk really focus on your voice if i'm not mm -hmm. having to see all these and then i'm looking at maribeth and danielle and then i can look at myself and i don't know what's going on it's ironic that i i i can see a lot of parallels for that what are your thoughts on that well you know what i think it depends on um how you've trained yourself now for me i prefer a zoom call because I am constantly watching people's faces and their facial expressions and those little things. That helps me tremendously. Yeah. When you take that away, I don't have as much practice listening for well, that. Yeah, radio guy. All I you have is ears. Yeah. So, so I think it really depends on on what you've developed and what you like. And I, um, so again, this this is the stuff that we can use with our patients and and really fine-tune these human interaction pieces that will make or break a session yeah well and we and you you can also get really good at at watching people you know we can get really involved in what we're trying to relay and what we're trying to say and what we're trying to get them to do but when you really when you really observe somebody and you're really watching you can look at things like the way that they're sitting or are they fidgety? Do they keep changing the subject? Will they make eye contact? All of these things can really help you know, am I reaching them or am I not? Like, oh, yeah. do I just want to relay information or do I really care if they're getting it? If I really care that they're getting it and I want to help them, then I've got to work with what they've got going on. So you start looking for, for clues and you, you see, okay, I, I'm getting the, the, the impression I'm coming on too strong. Right. So I need to back it up a little bit, not overwhelm them. Or maybe, maybe uh, their color just changed there and they started looking great. I, I have, do we have time? I have a great story about this. Absolutely. Um, this was a number of years ago. Um, Sophie was just getting to where she could, it was probably like she'd worked on language for like five years and she was just getting to where she could read a few words here and there. That's how long it takes when your whole language center is blitzed. 
And so her speech therapist said, you know what? I would really love for you to just get the win of getting through a book. So take this book, like this Dr. Seuss book that just has like one simple sentence on each page. And while your mom's making dinner, just sit there and read this book. So she sat down and she started reading it. Anybody that has been around someone with aphasia will understand this. She had to fight for every word. And, and when she would fight and finally find the word, she would turn the page and it was like it was, it was already gone. Like if it appeared again, she'd have to start all over again. And it was so hard to listen to. And like 45 minutes later, she finishes this book. And so I went over and I said, congratulations, you just read your first book since all of this. And she looked at me like, are you, you effing crazy? This is, this, this is my brain now. This is the saddest thing. Cause she used to be a voracious reader and she, she was studying to be a writer and words were everything. So she holds up this book and she's like, baby book. Like this is what it's come to for me. And it was soul crushing. It broke my heart. But then I thought, I've, I've, got to, I've got to shift this somehow. So I said, can I tell you what I see? She said, okay. And I said, your, your brain was just burned down. Your language center was just burned down. And now it is having to set up shop in other parts. It's repurposing parts and starting over. Your brain is doing what my brain has never had to do. It's not a lesser brain. It is an overachieving brain. It is like an Olympian brain. And what I noticed is that as I just did this simple reframing from somebody that was feeling as low as they could feel about what was happening up here to, to the way I truly saw it. See, this is what made it powerful. I felt and believed every word of that. Right. That is how I feel about her brain. I think it's miraculous that brains can rewire like that. And what I got to see was as I talked to her, like her color changed and she sat up a little bit straighter and she just looked lighter. And that day, I, I really realized, wow, how we can affect one another, how we can do this service for one another of just offering up an alternative view. You know, in any moment, every, everything that she was thinking was true. There was evidence for that, right? But this was also true. What my view, everything I was saying about it was also true. And so sometimes when you just take the time to look at what's going on and say, what else is true? What is the good stuff that's true? We all are so habitual about focusing on the negative part of the truth, but what's the positive part? Yeah. And just taking the time to share with your patients, it can do wondrous things. Sounds like you just use that lens, right? You just, you gave her a different mm -hmm. lens to look through. Exactly. That's all it was. You looked at the same thing. You looked at the same accomplishment, but you looked at it a different way. And mm -hmm. she was able to, it, you know, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't just a, it wasn't a throwaway. You believed it. Right. And when she thought about it for a second, she said, uh, you know, that's, that's legit. That's true. Yeah. Yes. And when you can do that now, she will be more likely to go try to read that book again. Cause it's not a, it, right. Cause she understands now that that is a different accomplishment. 
Right. Yes. You have changed her belief. You've influenced that at the very least, you know, and, and that's, that's what we can do for people with just, just a sentence or two. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. It's important. Mm-hmm. It is. It's yeah. a very powerful role. Yeah. And, you know, people that have chosen to, uh, to give their life to, you know, career wise to helping other people in this way, man, do you deserve to go home feeling not just beat down by, you know, all the things that are expected of you at work, but to go home and actually go, I really got in there with somebody today. Like I really, I said the thing or I connected with them in a way that really made what I was doing with them work or it made a mind shift or an emotional shift in them that I know is going to serve them. That feels great. And, And people that choose this work really deserve that. Well, you're giving them tools to make sure that they understand. I feel like this this helps the therapist as much, right? Because they we, you're unlocking things. Hey, you're 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 giving me something I can tactically do in terms of tactics and uh, as well as a strategy that's going to make that's going to make them a little more powerful. It's going that's 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 why right. that's why you get out of bed. Or Maribeth, as you said, you can tell when the person who walks in the room who doesn't want to be there. Those people are never going to try to do this stuff. You can't help them. Right. It's right. the people who are in the middle of that bell curve. People who have this skill, they have this skill, right? right. But people in the middle of that bell curve, man, they want it. And if they're willing to work for it, they can get it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And when your patients start responding, that that's the best feeling, isn't that's, it? Like- that's the W. That's, that's what we want to do. And when you have built this relationship and this rapport and you become an expert in reframing it in your own mind and helping them do those things, then you notice these little things. You know, I had a gentleman who told me, I, I, I can't, I can't get my leg up into bed. I just, I just can't do it. And when I watched him do it, I knew immediately that he just thought his leg was too heavy. And so I said, you think your leg is too heavy. It's a stroke patient. He right. had he had some proof that it had been. I said, you think your leg is too heavy, but it's not. Try it again. And just trust me, it's not too heavy. And he pulled his leg up into bed. You know, that change in function happened not because of a thing that I did to him physically. It wasn't a technique. We just shifted his mindset and things changed. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do three questions, is there anything we didn't get to that you'd want to, that you want to make sure that the audience of PTs would, uh, would know outside of how to connect with you guys. And we'll make sure we put the, uh, the link to expanded practice in the show notes as well. I can't think of anything. I think we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> we did. Perfect. All right. We're going to do three questions. You ready to do three questions? Yes. Right. Let's do this. Thing. Three questions brought to you by our friends at Jackson Therapy Partners, providing awesome adventures in patient care for physical therapists who care about where they're going. Travel PT. Uh, Check them out online, jacksontherapy.com. That is jacksontherapy.com. All right, ladies, for three questions today, uh, we'll go Danielle then Maribeth. We'll say this. Uh, What is something the – where is somewhere that the audience should go outside of your website that they could learn more about this whole idea of, 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 of how they can, they can grow their skills. Are there other places that, that you've gone to learn or, or, or resources you you would suggest? Yeah, absolutely. I would, um, I would check out the book, how healing works by Wayne Jonas. 
And um, I would also look up Shannon Harvey. She is a journalist that's from Australia and she's done a lot of research. She has documentaries and books, but she really is looking for evidence-backed things about the mind-body connection. And so it's a really good thing for people who are science-minded like me to um, kind of put all this together. Yeah, Mayor Beth, what do you think? Like a, a, a what? What is something that someone could go and read or watch or anything? Well, um, you know, a book that I have actually found really helpful is um, Brene Brown's new book called Atlas of the Heart, where she just basically gives language to emotion. Um, the reason I think it would be so helpful for anyone interested in this is because just learning about all the different human emotions and exactly how they're defined, it helps you just digest it and it doesn't seem like this huge intimidating thing. And it also gives you more nuanced, uh, I don't know, more fluency in the language. Yeah. yeah, I really started looking at things. When you start to write copy, when you start to do copywriting mm-hmm. and you try to break an, uh, an organization down or a business down or a person or a brand down to one sentence, um, a picture's worth a thousand words, but you can't use a picture in in writing, right? In words. So, what's the picture version of of words? We'll be able to amplify, and it's emotion. And if you can, I always say, like you know, with clients, I if I can reduce this fraction, like what is this? What are you trying to do? I'm trying to do this. No, no, no. What are you really trying to do to me? I'm trying to make it better. It's like, no, you're trying to make me feel safe. It's like safe is the reduced emotion. I'm trying to alleviate fear or overwhelmed. It's like, that's the reduced emotion. I have not read that from Brene Brown yet. I had, I read Dare to Lead uh, or uh, yeah. Uh, Haven't done that with Atlas of the Heart. Yeah, it's very, very good. That's on the list. All right. So uh, Danielle, second question, three questions. You sort of uh, alluded to this. You, you, You jumped ahead. Who is someone the audience should you know, follow or reach out to? Who is maybe someone who's like a, like someone that you'd look up to? Well, this may be just a little bit off what people would expect, but um, I'm going to say Kate Braestrup. Okay. She is an author. Um, she wrote a beautiful book called Here If You Need Me. It's a memoir. And she gave a TED Talk I watched recently called The Good News About Giving Bad News. And it's really poignant and Um, The information she shares is something that we can use as clinicians when we have to talk to patients who are in challenging situations. And, you know, it's not always good news. So um, it's just very, very good. And she's she's just, uh, I I think, a wonderful human being. I've never met her, but I'm assuming. Love love me a good TED Talk. So that's on my list. And I recently had to have an experience in the healthcare system with someone who is not good at giving bad news or not good at... um, dealing with patient, uh, patient education or, or, or customer service. And I remember I gave her a few, uh, a, a couple of earfuls, but I was like, you said everything wrong and here's what you <laughs> need to say, or I will not let you leave this room. And then I proceeded to give her a tutorial. So I do love that. Uh, Mayor Beth, what's a, what's a, what's a who that you'd suggest for the audience? Oh gosh. Well, this is going to be one of those, Oh, come on answers. But really you, you is the, is the person. Because I, I think really looking, getting to know you, what your habitual thoughts are, what your tendencies are, the way you communicate, you cannot learn those things and not change as a clinician. Not if you're not paying attention or because you're going to carry that to every patient interaction. Absolutely. If you are communicating and clearly, it's always going to be a communication issue unless mm-hmm. you fix you. I, I like that one. Going oh, metaphorical is, okay. is, is, is always good in the show. Um, 
Last thing I'll ask on three questions. Why should someone care more about this topic? Why should someone really say, you know what? I heard this today and I have to go out and I have to start doing this either whether that's going to your website or just reading into this. What's the, what's the reduced fraction answer to that? Why is this so important? I mean, obviously you guys dedicate your life and time to this. Why should it be important to someone else? I'll go first. <laughs> Because what it's going to come down to is the way you feel when you treat. That's where this all starts. And the way you feel when you treat determines decisions that you make. It determines how much you enjoy your work. And it has a huge impact on your patient's mind, their body, and their performance. And let's face it, we all want to get meaning out of our work. And we all want to feel good while we're doing it. And that's why you should do it. Investing in it and learning more is one of the best things you can do for your practice, I think. Love it. Marybeth, what do you think? Why, why should someone spend some time on this? Why is it so important? I think it's important because you went into this job for a reason and, and, and it involves uh, helping human beings. And this is happening whether or not you're conscious of it. This is happening in every single one of your sessions. So learning about it takes who you are as a clinician and your potential and unlocks it, I think. Um, just from what I've observed and the people that have worked with my daughter, it's just, it, it takes you to a whole new level. Of I love that. It, it goes back to my, my idea with public relations, right? The goal of public relations is to, as I mentioned before, build a relationship with the public and people will say, well, I'm not doing public relations. And I'm like, no, no, you're doing it poorly. Because <laughs> you're not doing it. So you're, you're not, you're breaking relationships and not building them. So you're doing it regardless of 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 your intentionality you're just doing it poorly when you say you're not doing it it's like you've thrown it away it's scraping the bottom of the barrel right. uh, last thing we do on the show is the parting shot All right, Parting Shot is brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. Uh, current concepts of orthopedic physical therapy is the roadmap, we say. A lot of times people feel overwhelmed and lost. They don't know where to start, how far they've got to go to go from wherever they are to that OCS exam if you want to be uh, a great orthopedic physical therapist. So current concepts as well as a plethora. Yeah, that's an SAT word, a plethora of independent study courses for orthopedic PTs. Uh, you don't need to be a member as well. You can uh, take some of those uh, independent study courses, whether you have membership at uh, ortho, uh, orthopedics or not, orthopt.org. So parting shot is your chance for like a mic drop moment. I feel like you guys just gave a couple mic drop moments, right? Why it's <laughs> but what's the last thing you want to leave with the audience as we wrap up today? Daniel, you can go first. I would say that your clinical skill is important, but you have more to offer your patient than simply your clinical and technical skill. Remember, you are one energy system meeting another energy system. And knowing this interaction is at play, understanding the science behind it, and effectively utilizing it is going to be one of the best things you can do for your patients, for your practice. They're going to recognize that it's you that's making them so feel so darn good and helping them that you'll really become indispensable to them. Love that. Great parting shot. Merit Beth, wrap it up for us. What do you got? Well, a favorite quote of mine is by Yogi Bhajan, and it is, um, you're powerful providing you know how powerful you are. And I have watched people, therapists, 
do things for my daughter and put her back together in ways I couldn't do it. And it's made me eternally grateful and also um, wanting everybody who does this job to actually um, become as powerful as they can be because it's it's amazing. And who is that from, Yogi? Bhajan. Yogi Bhajan. I heard you say Yogi and I, I, I thought of Yogi Berra because he always said it ain't over till it's over. Uh, the episode is over, and I appreciate you guys for for coming out. The information for uh, expanded practice is going to be in the uh, the episode, the show notes of the episode. Uh, thanks for sharing your story. Thanks for doing what you do. Thanks for doing what you do. That'll also help a lot more people because you're going to teach people, and they'll go forth and they'll be able to do more for other people. So thank you guys. Thanks so much for having us. We love yeah, talking. Thank you so much. All right, the best conversations happen at happy hour. Thanks for coming to ours. Like what you hear? Tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes or Google Play. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced post-professional education. The Brooks IHL offers seven on-site PT residencies, including orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, pediatrics, sports, and neurology as well as a neurologic OT fellowship, a competitive OMPT fellowship, and a speech therapy clinical fellowship. Therapists that complete a residency or fellowship through the Brooks IHL will markedly advance their knowledge and skills in a specialty area of practice. Learn more about how a residency or fellowship can help you advance your professional development at brooksihl.org. Our home on the internet. PTPintCast.com Created by Build PT. Build PT provides marketing services specifically for private practice PTs. From website development and hosting. Providing content marketing solutions for PT clinics across the country. See what Build PT can do for you today at BuildPT.com. The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.